Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Wow. Some of you wanted to clap. Some of you wanted to close your eyes. I don't know what. But there's a video. And uh, there we have it. So we look forward to having all of you with us. Welcome to those watching and worshiping online. I'm so grateful for Pastor Josiah, Pastor Vicente, uh, their different gifts and contributions to the body here at Celebration. Um, right after this service, actually upstairs, Pastor Vicente is going to be leading uh, the partnership class, Next Steps class for those in uh, Celebration Espanol in advance of our annual business meeting this Wednesday night. And then Pastor Josiah in the last week, two Wednesdays ago, we were supposed to have the uh, next steps class, but then we had like the blizzard or we were supposed to have the blizzard. As I like to say, everything was closed. Okay. And uh, so then it got moved to last Sunday during this service and Wednesday, but 52 people went through the class uh, in the English. So thanks to Pastor Josiah for leading that. Also, if you're one of those 52, can you just like wave? Cause want to recognize you go through that class. A lot of people in the first service. Can we give them a hand? Thank you to everybody there. Awesome. And uh, so good to see what God is doing, uh, meeting so many people before service, after service, and uh, we'll be praying again for a while after service, but uh, if we didn't get a chance to meet, my name's Derek, would love to meet you in the lobby afterwards. Uh, so many just uh, hearing about what God is doing, maybe invited by a friend, a neighbor, a coworker. Yesterday, I uh, was uh, here at the church for a little while, and then a birthday party for somebody, and then I went by Costco to get a few things and I ran into Joe, uh, not Pastor Joe, but Joe uh, in the Costco parking lot. He said, Pastor Derek. Actually, I said, Joe. He said, Pastor Derek. And then introduced me to his coworker. So we invited her. She got to work today, but uh, we're praying that one of these Sunday mornings she'll have off. And so thanks for just being a good witness for the Lord uh, to everybody you come in contact with. Amen. All right, well, uh, continuing this series today, Spirit and Power, with a message titled The Ministry of Impartation. God's been moving so powerfully uh, in our gatherings that it was supposed to be one month. It was the month of January during prayer and fasting, and uh, then I just didn't feel like we could stop, just felt like the wind of the Spirit blowing on it, and so we went to two months, and now here today we're starting month three, and so we're going to go the whole month of March as well. Uh, we're in 1 Kings 19, and I'll do a little bit from 2 Kings 2, uh, Elijah. Elisha, but it's going to be a great thing. We know, we talked about it last week, but God always shows up where he's wanted. And uh, we know he's welcome here, but we believe he's also wanted. And uh, we experienced that last week as we were praying. Uh, some people experienced different things in different ways, but it was just such a sweet presence of the Lord that we got to enjoy last week. And we're going to pray for that again today. I want to share a testimony, a lot of testimonies that are coming in. You can write those on the prayer card and turn them in. But even this morning, right before first service, I was talking with a lady in the church uh, named Kathy. And she said she was sitting right over here the week before. And she said, um, she, her body is held together by nuts and bolts. Those are her words, not mine, you know. And uh, she said because of that, she's got a lot of pain in her leg. And so when she like stands up, she'll have to grab the chair to help stand up. And uh, she said, last week, Pastor Derek, when you asked everybody to stand, I did that. But she said, 
I'm kind of hesitant to the Holy Spirit stuff. That's what she said. And she said, so I stood up and I didn't want to go forward for prayer, she said. So she just prayed right in her seat. And she said, I was standing there holding the chair. My leg was really hurting. And I just turned my hands up like this. And she said, when I did that, I felt this incredible weight. She said, it was almost like two hands from heaven that was just pressing down on her hands. And she said, as soon as I felt that weight, as soon as she felt that glory there, she, she said, I felt the weight. And then all of a sudden the pain in my leg was gone. And she said, so for the rest of the day, I had no pain. I said, well, how do you feel today? She said, a whole week's gone by, no pain in my leg. And she said, you know, I was pretty hesitant to that Holy Spirit healing stuff, but she said, now I'm all in. <laughs> Come on, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, uh, that's how God works, right? We just, we, we're open to what he's gonna do. We don't force it to happen. We're not manufacturing it or manipulating it in any way. Uh, but we believe God always shows up where he's wanted. So we're gonna do that today and uh, just sharing a little bit more what I believe God has been downloading into my heart this week. Um, I mentioned in the first service, it's been so much. It's just kind of like drinking out of a fire hydrant. I've never done that before, but that's the metaphor I've heard where you're just getting a lot of information. And so um, I'll admit, if I misspeak on something, if I say something that I need to come back later, give greater clarity on or explanation on, I'll be happy to do that. Uh, but uh, just kind of trying to move as quickly as I can with what I feel like God is giving to me. Numbers 22, I was reading in my devotions yesterday, uh, Balaam's donkey, God used a donkey to get Balaam back on track, but he went to... Balak and he said, I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. And it was a different situation that he was going with, what I'm going through, but I just feel in the same way. There's a lot of things I could talk about. There's a lot of things I could share. Many of them would be encouraging and inspirational, but I just feel so strongly convicted by the Holy Spirit. I can only speak what I feel like he's putting in my mouth. So I hope you're ready for the ministry today and came full of faith for what God will do. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible, 1 Kings chapter 19, if you're able, if you'd stand to your feet this morning, I'm going to read here from 1 Kings 19, finish out the chapter, and then as I preach the rest of the message, I'll be reading from 2 Kings chapter 2. And we're going to believe that God is going to do what only he can do. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 and following, the Bible says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Snapchat. I didn't get any better at the pronunciation. I had a whole week to go through, but son of Shaphat, I don't know. Uh, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. It was a ministry of impartation. He, it was a representation of the anointing of God. Verse 20, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will come with you. Elisha replied, go ahead. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and made tacos for Mespanol. I don't know. Um, he burned the plowing equipment and cooked the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then they set out. He set out to follow Elijah and became his servant, the ministry of impartation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great gift of your son, Jesus. We ask Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help nobody leave the same. May we all become more like you, Lord Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated. But today, you see there on your notes, I've got four points. They're all very long, but we'll be done 
when we're done. Uh, impartation, impartation. I know even saying that word uh, probably elicits different emotions, memories, thought processes, feelings in people. Probably three, if I could boil it down to three main or primary categories. Some people, when I say the word impartation, you're like, let's go. And so welcome to celebration. We're glad that you're here today. Other people, I say impartation and you're like, I have no idea what that means because it's not like a normal word and we welcome you as well. And then other people, I say impartation, you're like, "Mm -mm, I've been hurt by that. Other people messed it up. I'm not going there. Well, welcome to everybody. And what I want to do is take a little bit of time this morning to teach right here from 1 Kings and a little bit from 2 Kings, but to give us a biblical understanding because the truth is impartation is a biblical thing. When we read through the scripture, impartation really happens in two primary ways. This isn't on your notes, but you might want to write it down. Number one, it happens through prayer. And number two, it happens through the laying on of hands. This is a normal thing that we see in scripture. And therefore, even if it's been abused or misunderstood or misapplied, we're not going to avoid it when it's right there, biblical basis for it. So Numbers chapter 11 uh, says this. It was actually my devotions on Tuesday morning. And that was a day that I was headed to teach about 20 pastors about releasing the spirit of prophecy in their church or understanding spiritual gifts and activating those gifts in the church. I got up early on Tuesday morning and I was reading Numbers chapter 11. It's just where I'm at in my normal Bible reading. Uh, I'm reading through the Bible recap as we've shared. My wife and I are doing that together. Many of you are as well. This is what my devotions on Tuesday morning said. God said, I'll come down and I'll speak with you there and I'll take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and I'll put it on them. So right there we see this is a biblical thing and we're a Bible church. And so if it's in the Bible, then we want it, right? We we want the things of God. We're open to them. Even the things we don't understand and that we can't explain, we're just open. That's our our word in this moment. We're open. Hebrews chapter six, normalized. It said there's a foundational thing about the laying on of hands. Acts chapter eight, we read all throughout Acts really. They laid hands on them and then they received the Holy Spirit. So through prayer and through the laying on of hands, we see this idea, this understanding, the ministry of impartation. So I'm going to teach a little bit because I understand there's some misconceptions. I want to lay a proper groundwork and foundation, and then we're going to pray and participate for that very thing. We're going to pray and lay on hands and believe that God will do what only he can do. Randy Clark uh, has written a number of good books, been part of many uh, great outpourings here, and God is using him still in mighty ways. He said it this way about impartation. He said, impartation is not something man can do, but it's an act of God. Therefore, it's totally dependent upon his calling and anointing. So that's what we are going to pray for today, for God to do what only he can do. Number one, if you have your notes, the ministry of impartation begins with dedication. I believe God is looking for men and women who are dedicated said Elijah went there and found Elisha, son of Snaphat, 
and plowing with the yoke of oxen, and he was driving the 12th pair. Now I know just before 1 Kings chapter 19, God gave word to Elijah. He said, go anoint Elisha. So Elijah was simply obeying what God had asked him to do. He, everything that we're reading that's gonna transpire is the fulfillment of the instructions that God had given him. So Elijah received something in a moment of prayer. Remember, he'd gone to the mountain to hear God, to meet with God, and he received instruction. We prayed for that last week. We'll pray for that again this week. Divine instruction. And so it's not just man's direction, but it's divine instruction. And Elijah in obedience went and he now anointed Elisha. And it's interesting though, that we find that Elisha was a man of dedication. Elisha was a man that was hard at work. He was doing something. He wasn't just sitting there waiting for his moment. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. I think it's interesting to note if they had 12 pair of oxen, suffice it to say, he might've come from a wealthy family and Elisha was still out there doing his job. And unfortunately, it seems like we've lost the skill of hard work in our day. You know, there was a time in our nation where it seemed almost everybody would get up early and stay up late. They were hard at work. It didn't matter what their job, what their profession. By and large, people were always hard workers. But tragically, it seems as though that skill is more difficult to find. I wonder if putting that on a resume might even stand out more than all the other achievements and accolades that people are saying because it seems like we just don't have that much hard work. People now are constantly looking to be discovered and they're rarely willing to be developed. The aim is often to become an overnight success, but the reality is that most often happens after years of hard work. Samuel Rodriguez, some of God pastor out in Sacramento, California, uh, also serves as the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. He preached a message uh, six years ago. My wife and I were out in California for some meetings and, and he preached a message on this passage and he titled it, The Plow of Perseverance. And he said, uh, he was talking to a bunch of preachers and he said, if you haven't been working hard, this message is not for you. He said, because Elisha had been working hard. He said, I believe the Lord is going to honor those who've been pushing the plow of perseverance. Those that, that were working hard, he said it repeatedly throughout the message. It's like I can hear it like he was preaching it the first time. He said, Elisha was pushing the plow and he was breaking the ground and he was planting the seed. Not glamorous things, but he was pushing the plow and he was breaking the ground and he was planting the seed. It wasn't always easy, but every morning he got up and he was pushing the plow and he was breaking the ground and he was planting the seed. And he said, so if you're here and you've been pushing the plow of perseverance, if you've been breaking the hard ground and you've been planting the seed, then he said, this message is for you. But if you've been lazy, he said, I got nothing for you. Begins with dedication. Elisha took this call seriously. And the Bible says he, he burned up the plow. What was he doing? He said, I'm shifting now what I'm going to be dedicated to. 
He said, I'm making a massive change. The call of God has been put on my life and I'm doing something different. The Bible says he sacrificed the animals, cooked them and gave them to the people. There we have Espanol taco feast, you know, but... Now, I'm not going to pass the offering buckets again because so many times we hear the word sacrifice and we think offering, we think money, but you pick the topic. I don't care what it is in your brain, in your mind, and I want you to know whatever the topic, if you want to be great, it's going to require sacrifice. No one does great things very often on accident. I remember the story. I don't know if it post-it note, sticky note, whatever the thing is, but whoever invented those, like for 3M or whatever, I heard it was an accident. The glue just didn't work right. And so there we got one time that greatness happened from an accident. But other than that, right? You don't oops your way into greatness. It takes intentionality. It takes hard work. It takes dedication, The truth is, when I'm looking for somebody, I think probably employers, same thing, but I think God, even when he's looking for people to be used in the kingdom, uh, I'm not looking for people with no other options. What I mean is, I'm not asking God to send me the people that have no choice. (laughs) They got no skills, nobody wants them, they got nothing happening. I guess I'll be here. I'm asking God, give me the best of the best. Show me the people that got options, they they got opportunities, and they're already committed, but they might be able to free up a little bit of time and a little bit of area to do something great in the kingdom of God. Why? That doesn't mean that I'm looking for people that um, aren't retired, okay? This is not an age thing, because how many people know watching your grandkids is probably harder than going to work? Praise the Lord, right? So this is, but this is people who are involved in their neighborhood, caring for a spouse, involved with their kids. Like, why? Because a hardworking spirit is tough to teach an adult. By the time those habits are formed, by and large, people either are or are not a hard worker. It's really tough to teach and train a work ethic. So it begins with dedication. But number two, there is training for the hand. Number two, it develops with preparation. Which by the way, I'd like to mention that this is point two, which comes before point four. A lot of times we have people now wanting to go from point one or even skip point one right to point four. And I'm not talking about just in the sermon context. I'm talking about get to the end when it's my time to shine. Elisha, the Bible says in uh, verse 21, that he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. And then we don't read as much. We can fast forward to 2 Kings chapter two. There were some things that went on. We, We know a little bit, but it was like a six year, most scholars believe about a six year time gap from when Elisha basically was anointed until it was his time to shine. This was where preparation or where his skills were added, where training occurred that built upon the hardworking spirit that Elisha already had. I wonder what would have happened if Elisha had given up and pronounced he was ready before it was time. 
Of course, we can look back and we know, according to scholars, that it was six years, but it must have been more challenging for Elisha not knowing how long it would be. Right? Because people these days, myself included, we like to know all the details before we even begin the process. Right? We, we, we need to know, do, do I want to go through with this? Is it worth my time and effort? Now I get it, the Bible does tell us to count the cost before starting a project. So I'm not saying we shouldn't get some information, but what I'm talking about is are we willing to obey God before we even have all the details? Like, are we willing to say yes one step at a time? And seeing what God will do along the way with our obedience. Pastor John Lindell said this, he said, when we expedite obedience we experience blessing. When we expedite obedience, we experience blessing. Look at this, 2 Kings chapter two. We're just fast forwarding a little bit uh, through the end of 1 Kings, 2 Kings chapter two. The Bible says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. By the way, I don't have time to preach this message, but I think we need some more stick to itness in our relationships. Stick to itness in our relationships. Because Elisha was given permission by Elijah. Hey, you want to exit the ride? Go ahead, stay here. So they went down to Bethel together. Verse three, the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is gonna take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. Shush it. (laughs) Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, because the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Oh, uh, As he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then the company of the prophets of Jericho. By the way, have you noticed that the places that they're going are spiritually, they're like big mile markers in in the life of Israel, right? They're going to, uh, it was kind of like, Uh, Last week when we said Elijah was going to the mount, they knew he would go to meet with God. That's what these kind of places, Bethel, the place where Jacob met with God, the heavens open, angels were going up and down. Wow, what a place to go. Elisha could have easily said, I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna start my ministry at Bethel. This could be fantastic. But no, he went with him. Then they went to Jericho. Where was Jericho? The first city that God delivered into their hand after leaving Egypt. Wow, they, they marched around the city. They shouted unto the Lord, they blew the trumpets, the walls came tumbling down, and it was the first city, and wow, that would be a great place. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, but but he doesn't stay in Jericho either. These were opportunities. There were spiritual people in these places, the company of the prophets saying, hey, do you know the Lord is going to take your master away? It happened in Jericho, verse 5. He said, yeah, I know. Shush it. Like I told them, I'm telling you, I get it. 
Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. What was the Jordan? The place where they were trapped, but God parted and they walked through on dry land. Wow, what a place of provision. God protected them from the Egyptians. This would be an incredible place for a press conference to launch Elisha's ministry. Got to think through context, right? With these locations. And he said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. In this last miracle of Elijah's life, verse eight, Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. There's something about a willingness to learn from somebody else. Elisha had been called in this sense he'd been anointed. He could guess what was to come and yet He said, I need to learn. We need to learn from one another. If if we want to see multiplication in the kingdom, we have to have partnership between the generations, between one another. There's another book that I ordered, but I haven't read it yet. It's kind of a normal thing, but I heard about it on a podcast. So I, you know, again, if there's something crazy in the book, I'm telling you, I didn't read it, but, but the title and the blurb that I heard sounded pretty cool. So I'll share that with you here today. It was by Tim Elmore and the book was titled, is titled a new kind of diversity, making the different generations on your team, a competitive advantage. What he was talking about is that if you only have one type of person, one age of person on your team, you're gonna be missing out on some incredible things. That one of the the lies of the enemy is that we don't need somebody else, that we've got it figured out on our own. But the truth is we need people who are um, ahead of us in this regard that can share timeless wisdom with us. But how many people know we also need people who are newer than us? I don't know, because it's not just age, right? Um, who can share timely insight? I ask my kids, I'm like, what's going on these days? Because I don't know. We got to ask other people. And we need a bridge between the generations, not a wall. Because we need people with different perspectives, different ideas, different realities to share. And I think both of those cultures or generational ideas have positives and negatives. There's something to gain from everyone, new people especially, who will give insight and to speak into what's happening at a place. Why? Because new people have a new perspective. And without hearing their perspective, you'll probably never grow or change. Why? Because once we've been in a system, in a society, in a team, in a way of life for very long, we become comfortable in it and we tend to protect it rather than improve it. That's just the the nature of humans. We're survivalists. We're going to figure out a way and we're going to seek comfort and we're going to do that. But so we need new people to come in and share new perspective. But on the other hand, 
I think it's crazy if we give the same weight to a new voice that we don't even know as someone who's proven their dedication over time. So we need both. We need new insight, but we also need older wisdom. And I know one of the problems is that social media has given us all a platform to express our opinion and belief, even the ones that we're not an expert in. I know there's at least one or two areas that you and I are not an expert in, but that's not stopping us from posting about it. But, but we have to be careful that we don't allow that social media platform to become a pitfall for us in our everyday life because wisdom doesn't trust what's never been tested. And so we need new ideas, but we need to balance it with the wisdom of those who've been there and done that. So we need this idea of preparation from people who've done it and the people who are new to be together. Why? Because preparation is not just watching. It begins with watching, but then it's done together. Then it's done while the leader watches. And then eventually you get to do it on your own. Trust is earned over time, right? But we need that stick to itness that we don't quit and give up on those relationships as surely as the Lord lives and, and you live, I won't uh, leave you. Number three, as it develops with preparation, it responds to expectation. The ministry of impartation responds to expectation. What am I saying? You gotta want it. You gotta want it. We talked about it. Last week, we, we've all seen that, right? I can't want it for you more than you want it for you. I remember one time, I got a gym membership because it was a new year. I was like, new year, new me. And so they were like, one free session with a trainer. I was like, that's good value. And uh, he said, well, here's what you need to eat or more what he said, here's what you need to not eat. He's like, but I can't make you, you gotta want it. And I was like, the truth is, sir, I don't want it. I want potato chips. So after that free session, he said, you don't need to come back because you're not gonna do it. Don't waste my time or your money. I said, I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> Lays are for me. Lays potato chip, lays on the couch. You know, whatever. Like that's, that's, that's how I feel. I received that from the Lord. But, uh, but you gotta want it. Look at what we read in 2 Kings chapter two, verses nine and 10. When they'd crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, what are you expecting? He said, what can I do for you? I'm not sure if he had asked him that over the last six years. I don't know, you know, if it was like daily, Elijah was like, oh, tell me, Elisha, how do you feel? I, I don't know. I just know in this moment when he asked, Elisha was ready. So Elisha was thinking, he was praying, he was prepared for the moment when it came to him. And Elijah said, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You know what he said? He said, I'd like to receive the ministry of impartation. I'd like what you've got. And Elijah said, you've asked a difficult thing. <laughs> Yet, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will not. Now remember, Elijah knew. He was walking out what God had told him to do. So this wasn't Elijah granting a favor because he liked the guy. 
This was Elijah saying, if you've been faithful to do what God's asked you to do, I'll do what God asked me to do. And God will give it to you because it's his word that he already gave to me that I'd go to anoint you and you would succeed me as prophet. Pastor Ryan uh, Florky, our kids pastor, I, I've heard him say this so often. He said, the passion, and I don't know if it's like his quote or not, but I've heard him say it. So it's kind of like I read a book, but I heard Pastor Ryan is way faster. <laughs> the passion of the mentor is determined by the pursuit of the mentee. You got to want it. Uh, we've talked about this uh, when, when I did a series on relationships and making friendships at church. If you want to have a friend, you, you got to want it. There's no magic friend fairy here at the church. You don't walk in lonely and bing, then you know, I don't know. Now you got a best friend. That's not how it works. You got to meet somebody. If you come in late, you leave early, you don't talk to anybody, guess what? You ain't gonna have a friend. And some of you are like, that's just the way I like it. You know, but, but you need people. You can't be friends with everybody, but you need to be friends with somebody. You need to have one or a couple people that you can call on when you're low, that you can depend on when you're high for them to say, hey, let's go, you know, uh, when you're um, celebrating. <laughs> That's weird. Okay, praise the Lord. That's not in the notes, okay. <laughs> if you are high, don't call me. You know what I'm saying? Like, call somebody else, you know, but, but call somebody. Praise the Lord. Okay, wow, where are we at on the note sheet? Um, Number three, oh yeah, 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 no magic friend fairy. You gotta put yourself out there and make friends. I remember the first time I talked about this, I love seeing on the, uh, the bulletin board, Facebook bulletin board, Celebration Church Facebook bulletin board, a lot of words. And uh, somebody said, you know what, I'm a mom, I got two little kids, Thursday afternoon, I like to go to the park. If any moms wanna meet up, I'd love to make a friend. Guess what? When, if there's a desire, if there's an expectation, she met other moms. Because it turns out she wasn't all alone. There was other people who were all alone on Thursday afternoon with their kids just dying to meet another adult that they could talk to. But you got to put yourself out there, right? So, so there's this, this uh, expectation that we need, whatever it is. But this is true when it comes to spiritual things and the ministry of impartation as well. If you want it, then say so. If you want to be trained in something, speak up. I, I'll never forget, you know, I hear things in jobs like, oh, well, I wanted that job. I was like, did you tell your boss? They're like, no, why would I do that? Well, how would they know you want it? Let them know. We're not mind readers. We don't know. We hard, some of us hardly know when you tell us. So you, you know, say it louder. I don't know. But, but when it comes to spiritual gatherings, come with a spirit of expectation. Now don't bring a spirit of entitlement. Big difference, <laughs> Right? What's expectation say? Expectation says, I'm believing for something. You ought to come with a spirit of expectation. I'm believing to be healed. I'm believing to be encouraged. I'm believing to be uplifted. You ought to come believing, expecting God to do what only he can do, right? That's, I said, we're a faith church, faith-filled, family-focused. I've never understood why anybody would want to go to a no-faith church. You know, where you come sick, you got to leave sick. No faith. You came, your family's in trouble, you gotta leave, your family stays in trouble, no faith. Well, who wants to go to a church like that? Who wants to be a Christian? Like, you know, the Bible, in fact, says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I'd recommend don't be a no faith person. Join the faith bandwagon, be faith filled, because the Bible says God will bless that, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But we're expecting, but we're not entitled. What's entitled? Say, I'm owed something. 
wow, we ought to come expecting God to do what only he could do, but we're not entitled because we know for sure Jesus owes us nothing. If he never did anything else for us, he's already done enough. Because he died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb, but he was resurrected three days later. He saved us, he's changed us from the inside out. If he doesn't do anything else, he's done enough to be given glory and honor, but we are expecting that he's not done yet. I'm believing for something, but I'm not owed anything. So when we come, let's come expecting God to move. Open your heart, lift your hands, lean into the message. Now those are physical descriptions of really what's important is, do we have an open heart? Are we coming expecting God to do something? You know, when we pray in a a few more minutes and we'll invite pastors and prayer partners down, if you don't wanna give prayer and you wanna leave, you can do that. No one's going to chase you down and be like, you have to get prayed for. That's not, but, but if you want to receive prayer, if you want to pray with somebody else, if you want to find a private space throughout the room, you can do that. And I just believe the Spirit of God, the ministry of impartation responds to expectation. Here, here's what I've seen in uh, 20 years of pastoral ministry, 40 years in the church. If you show up and expect to leave the same, you probably will. If you come thinking you're going to be hurt by somebody, good chance you'll be right. Because we got a bunch of humans here. (laughs) And humans are equal opportunity hurters. If that's what you just believe. If you just don't come at all, I don't know what you'd expect. But, you know, I believe God responds to our expectation. There's something undeniable that happens when we come expecting to receive from the Lord. Number four. Uh, and then we're going to pray. The, the ministry of impartation leads to activation. There's steps to this process. There's training. There's application. But this is where we all are believing, where we want to end up, where we want to see this happen. It leads to activation. Second uh, Kings chapter 2, verses 11 to 14 says, As they were walking along and talking together, I think what a great picture of a ministry relationship, a partnership friends together. Yes, there was a mentor, mentee. There was a a leader, disciple, but, but they were just walking and talking together. Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. I'm pretty sure they didn't go over that at Elisha's Bible college training. (laughs) There was no session on that. There was no chapter in the book. The heavens opened, the chariot of fire and horses came down, and then Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Do you remember, I don't remember how many weeks ago Pastor Vicente preached on the, on the spirit of Jezebel? You know, when, not, you're like three or four, I don't know what, whenever that was, when Pastor Vicente preached on that, the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 19, King Ahab, Queen Jezebel, uh, he went and told her what had happened. Elijah had just called down fire from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. Israel said the Lord is, is God. And uh, then they killed 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. And Ahab told Jezebel, and she was like, she, she put a hit out on him, right? She said, you know what? Um, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if in the next 24 hours, I don't make your life like one of them. What did she say? I'm going to kill you in one day. And Elijah ran. He was scared. 
may have been uh, uh, illogical fear, right? The spirit of Jezebel, Pastor Vicente talked about that, where it's like, this doesn't even make sense. And, and, but he ran to the cave and, and uh, she was like, in one day, you're gonna be dead. And that, that's not exactly like an uplifting email <laughs> to receive, you know? It's not like the most fun text message to get at Pizza Ranch. Uh, but I wanna encourage somebody today that the protection of God is always greater than the proclamation of the enemy. Jezebel had said, this is what's going to happen to you. And it turns out she was wrong. Because one day went by, and how many people know Elijah did not die? Come on, one week went by, and how many people know Elijah did not die? Come on, a month went by, and how many people know Elijah did not die? Let's keep working. A year went by and clearly Elijah did not die. This was uh, 852 when the whirlwind came, BC. It took him to heaven. So I did the math. 2,881 years have gone by since Jezebel said in 24 hours you'll die. And she's been wrong for 2,881 years because last time I checked, Elijah still didn't die. So don't put so much stock in the proclamation of the enemy because you serve a God who's greater. And if he says that word ain't gonna come to pass, then it will not come to pass. His protection is always greater than the enemy's proclamation. That was worth coming to church for right there. As they were walking and, and talking, a chariot of fire came down from, brought him back to heaven in a whirlwind. And then what happened? Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Elisha saw him no more. This was a big moment in his life and ministry. He'd spent the last six years right by his side, always with him, seeing what God was doing and being right there, in a sense, taking part of it. And the Bible says, Elisha saw him no more and he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. And Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him. When we read in scripture, the cloak is representative of a mantle. It's representative of an anointing. It's what he went and he picked up. He was like, I've just followed him. I've seen it for six years. In fact, by the way, I'll never forget. After college, I graduated and traveled as an evangelist for six months in different cities every week. And I'll never forget. It was the month of January and just finished preaching a youth convention, a youth conference, thousands of leaders, thousands of students. And the evangelist that I had helped start a school of ministry for and he was mentoring me in this stuff. And, and as he was praying for me, he actually gave me a Banana Republic jacket, the one he had on. Now, it was very thin. Uh, I don't have it anymore, but it was a spiritual moment where he just said, take 
take my coat. And what he was saying is, I want you to walk in the things that you've watched, that you've participated in. And it was, it was a spiritual moment. There was a transfer. There was an impartation. We, this is what we read here in this passage. He went and he picked up his cloak, not because he was cold, but, but he was hungry to be used by God. And it had fallen from him. He went back and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. What had just happened on the bank of the Jordan? The last miracle that Elijah had done is when he had rolled up the coat, he struck the river Jordan and the water parted. And so I think Elisha wanted to know, was it worth it? Like I'd walked with them. This is what I've asked for. Is this going to work? And the Bible says he, he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it. And he prayed this prayer. He said, he said well, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Because there comes a time in each one of our lives that our faith has to become personalized. Yeah. It can't just be about what God did with our ancestors or with our cousins or even with our pastor. Elisha was saying, if this is real, I need it in my life because now the one I'd walked with was gone. He's been taken back to heaven. I can't hide under that covering anymore. He said, I need God to be real in my own life. And when he struck the water, the Bible says it divided to the right and to the left and he crossed over. I think in that moment, it was a physical realization or physical moment of a spiritual change that took place in Elisha's life. When it says he crossed over, I just imagine seeing he crossed over from the apprentice now to the man of God. He crossed over from his fear. Like, was this, is this God or is it Elijah? Is this just him or can it be me? And when he crossed over, he stepped into a new anointing that he'd wanted, that he'd prayed for, that he'd believed for, that he expected, but he just needed to know, is it real for me today? So that's what we're going to pray for today. That ministry of impartation. I'll remind you, it's not like I can give you something from me. What we're going to do is pray that God will give you something through us. You, you don't want anything that originated in us, in myself, the pastors, prayer partners. But if it's from God and it's flowing through us, you'll say, you know what, pastor, I need that. I, I need that healing. I need that restoration. I, I need that anointing. Whatever it is, you say, maybe you come forward. I don't even know, Lord, I just want more of you. That, that's what we're going to pray and believe for. So the, the team can begin to come back out and I'll say a few more things. And I, I wrote a bunch more actually during worship. So I'm going to read those <laughs> to you now. And then, and then we're going to pray. But before we do, I would ask you in your heart, just begin to determine what is it that you're expecting from your time with the Lord today? What is it that you're needing from him? What are you seeking? Um, we're we're going to pray and we're going to let God be God, which is a little bit of a weird phrase because God's God, whether we let him or not right? Uh, but there is something that happens when we set aside our preconceived ideas, when we push beyond our hurts and our hangups, and we pursue the things of God this morning. For many, it'll be coming forward to pray with somebody else. Others, you might just want to find a space to kneel or, or lay down before the Lord, maybe praying in your seat or standing in the back. Maybe, maybe it's as simple as moving your hands from gripping the chair to open them up in a receiving posture. This, we're not here to force you into doing anything, but we just want to say, be open to whatever it is that God will do. Why? Because at some point you want to, you need to move from observation into participation, right? And I know you've been watching, you've been hearing these stories about other people, but I believe for many today, you can move into participation into what God is doing. I remind you, we're not chasing supernatural phenomena. 
But at the same time, we're not running away from it either. <laughs> right? So, so we're not going, God, I hope I get knocked over today. <laughs> I mean, cut somebody off in traffic. They can fulfill that for you, you know? But man, when you feel the power of God, when you feel the weight of his glory, rest in his presence. This is not a timed event. Like if you kneel long enough and the team sings the right song, then all of a sudden you get your miracle. We're not trying to earn it. We're not striving for it. We're not even chasing for it. We're just simply saying we're open, God, to whatever it is that you want to do. Now, there's always been critics of what God is doing. Last year in our Holy Spirit series, I was talking about the Azusa Street Revival and we talked about how uh, there was uh, news reports and leaders, and by the way, other church leaders that were criticizing what God was doing at Azusa. Because <laughs> so often we, we tend to judge what's taking place through our own perception, but we need to get a higher perception. One of the ways that we do that is in prayer. God, God's ways are higher than our ways. But this whole thing of people criticizing the power of God in people's lives is, is nothing new. Randy Clark has written a number of books. Uh, he wrote one called There Is More, Reclaiming the Power of Impartation. And he said this about some of the great spiritual leaders that have seen revival throughout history. He said, John Wesley and George Whitfield uh, were the two key leaders of the great evangelical revival of England of the 18th century. And they were accused of having a white powder up their sleeves that caused people to fall under their hands as they ministered in prayer. <laughs> Why? Because a natural response for us humans when we see something supernatural is to explain it or define it in a natural way. But I don't know about you, I don't want to serve a God that I can fully explain, that I fully understand and I know everything about. What kind of God would he be? <laughs> And if it's not natural, then it's supernatural. Uh, it says there was nothing up their sleeves, but they did carry anointing within themselves. And we're gonna ask men and women who are anointed by God, commissioned prayer leaders in this house to, to pray for you. Uh, Randy Clark went on to say that they had, a they had received a powerful impartation from the Lord. So that's what we're gonna pray for you today. For those that want it. The, those that want more of the Lord, those that need him to do a work, we're gonna pray that you'll receive a powerful imp, imp, uh, impartation from the Lord. It's gonna be through these leaders. It might be through somebody next to you to lay a hand on your shoulder, but, but it's from the Lord. One of the things that we've done is we've made room. Somebody received this word too, I got it on an envelope, make room and pray for the fire of God. That's what we've done. We, we've removed chairs, not because, you know, it's it just we're just... Sometimes you do physical things to communicate spiritual things. We say we want to make room for what the Lord wants to do. We, we want to make room for another powerful impartation. We want to make room for the fire of God in our lives. Why? Because we believe there's more. We believe there's more. What he, what he did last week, we're so grateful for it. What he did in my life yesterday, we, we're thankful for it, but we know there is more. A lot of times we read in Scripture, about glorifying the name of God. Let me just mention this. Probably the primary way that God glorifies his name is through what he does. The other way is through our testimony about what he's done in our life. But, but when he does things in, in us and through us, it brings glory to his name because we can't do the supernatural on our own. We're natural. 
we're, we're confined in this season of our life here on earth to the natural. But when he comes down, when he visits his people, Numbers chapter 11, uh, you know, the Bible said that God would come down and he would take the spirit that was on him, would put it on other people. The Bible says that, that those who received the spirit of God prophesied, but it was just once. Then Joshua was coming to Moses and he was like, hey, I don't really get what just happened. I don't think it should happen. Like criticism took place in the Bible. And Moses is like, what's your problem, dude? It's the end of chapter 11. You can read it. I don't think it said dude, but that's, I'm giving you the Ross translation of what Moses told Joshua. He was like, in fact, I wish all the Lord's people were prophets and that the spirit of God would come upon everyone. So that's what we're gonna pray today. If you want it, you know, in a couple minutes, I know some might need to leave to get their kids. If you want to get them and bring them back, I love having uh, prayer together in the presence of the Lord. But, but if you want it, uh, we believe there's more. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet here this morning, ask our pastors and prayer partners to begin to prepare. And as the team leads us in song, in a moment, if you know what you're expecting from the Lord, you feel him moving in your life, I'm gonna invite you to step forward and come forward for prayer. Maybe you wanna come forward and find your own place to pray or, or slide across an aisle and pray with somebody else. Maybe you're here and you're not right with God. You need the biggest miracle of all. You say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. There's sin in my life. I, I'm worried about eternity. If I were to die today, I don't know that I'd spend eternity in heaven. Well, you come forward and we're gonna pray with you to be saved. The Bible says that the, the old will be gone and the new will come. Jesus will save you. He will change you, transform you from the inside out. You don't have to join the church to be part of the family of God. You can be saved and set free today. So whatever it is, we want to pray with you. We want to believe with you. And, and it's going to kind of be the same way. There's not going to be an official dismissal. If you need to go in 10 minutes, get your kids or come back or you need to go to work or whatever it is, that's fine. But we just want to say we're open to whatever it is that God wants to do. We're making room. We're not in any hurry and we're gonna pray for those things. So let me pray. And then as the team begins to sing, if there's a need in your life or God's moving in your heart, you wanna receive more from him, you need more of his, whatever, you can come forward and we're gonna pray. So God, I ask that you'd be faithful to your word. It's not my words that we're asking you to fulfill, but it's your word. We say, just like Moses said to Joshua, we ask that you put your spirit on everyone. So God, we ask that you would do what only you can do. Once again, we set aside our preconceived ideas and determined notions. Maybe, maybe we're new to this. Maybe we've been around a long time. We just set those aside and we say, God, today, in these moments, in each of us, do what only you can do. For those that need healing, we ask that you give good gifts of healing to your children today. Those that need revelation from your word, God, I pray you give insight, words of wisdom and knowledge to your people. Speak to us in our very time of need. For those that need restoration, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Those that need saving, Jesus, your, your work is finished on the cross. So help us today to simply receive in you. So God, we say we're open to everything that you have for us. And we ask that you do it for your glory and for your fame today, we ask in Jesus' name. If there's a need in your life, God's moving. You need more of the Lord. You want to receive ministry of impartation. You want to pray with somebody. Step out from where you are. The team is going to lead us in these songs. And we're going to pray. We're going to worship until everybody's done. Let's just enjoy the presence of the Lord here this morning. Step out and receive from him today.
We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.